Welcome back to Two Moms and the F-Bomb. I'm Crystal. I'm Natalie. And today we are going to be discussing some... Uh, Wooly boogers. <laughs> yes. Wooly boogers. Uh, we're going to start off with some mummy mania. Ooh. Yeah. Mummies. Yeah. Last time we heard zombies. Yeah. And really, I, you know, when they bring the mummies back to life in the movies, that's still considered a zombie. So is Frankenstein's monster. They're all considered zombies. To me, Fuck it. I feel like. Um... First, we're going to talk about the mummification process, just because it's disgusting. <laughs> I am kind of curious. Yeah, it's gross, and I think it's awesome for a Halloween episode, so we're doing it. Um, trigger warning, it's gross. Um, so, first thing you do for the mummification process is they would insert a hook through a hole near the nose, um, in some places I've read where it was actually up your nostril, but something said that they actually put a hole, like, you know, like, beside your nose. Anyway, they use the hook and they pull part of your brain out. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah. They snap, they use a hook and they just yank your brain right on out. They then remove all internal organs throughout the abdomen. Let all the organs dry. Once dried... Place all the organs except the heart inside canopic drawers. So all the jars that you would see inside the mummy's tomb usually have the organs belonging to the person buried inside. Okay. Interesting. Uh, the heart is placed back inside the body once it's dried. <clears throat> Rinse the body internally with wine and spices. Then I'm you so <laughs> what? <laughs> they get marinated. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, then they cover this corpse with salt for 70 days to preserve it. After 40 days. I'm not eating steak anymore. <laughs> after 40 days, linen and sand is then placed inside the body to maintain the human shape. Then, uh, let's see. After the 70 days total, the body is then wrapped from head to toe in bandages then placed into an airtight sarcophagus, which is a type of coffin. Mm -hmm. If a pharaoh... Hmm. If it was a pharaoh, it would be placed inside a special burial chamber, chamber surrounded with treasure. Mm -hmm. The canopic jars were then placed in a canopic chest in the burial chamber. Okay. Okay? Y'all still with me? It's pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, that's still stuck on the whole being <laughs> marinated and then salted like fucking <laughs> But steak. you know, there's something to say about their preservation me methods because they didn't have the stuff we have now. And their corpses and things like that are very well preserved. Beautifully preserved. Abnormally so. Like, it's there's no reason why those bodies look as good as they do now, considering how long ago that was. Unless they're immortal. Unless they're immortal. Which they could be. Yeah. Um, earliest writings in 641 Egypt warned never to tamper with m mummies or their tombs because Egyptians pra practiced magic during their ceremonies and mummies could return to the living and seek revenge. Zombie. Mm-hmm. So a few curses written in the tomb serving as warnings to anyone who entered there. In the tomb of Sinmut, this is uh, basically a threat from the person there, yeah. so just keep that in mind. Because some of these, the way they're worded, it's kind of weird, but it's it's directed towards people coming in. But this one says, his lifetime shall not exist on earth. The tomb of Hermeru, I shall seize his neck like that of a goose. 
<laughs> tomb All of, right. Tomb of Pinout. He will be miserable and persecuted. This one. <laughs> they weren't fucking around back no, in the day. This, that was a whole, that's a, like, <clears throat> today's more modern time, fuck around and find out. Right. <laughs> Calm Abo Below. I can't pronounce these names. I'm terrible. Um, this one was the most extreme out of all of them. This one was really letting people know, don't piss him off. Okay? All people who enter this tomb make evil against this tomb and destroy it. May the crocodile be against them in water and snakes against them on land. May the hippopotamus be against them on water and the scorpion against them on land. Scorpion king. Mm. <laughs> well, have you, hippopotamuses... Hippopotamuses are terrifying anyway. And he just basically said, if you come in here and messing with my stuff, I'm sick of hippopotamus on me. I mean, fuck the scorpions and everything else, but, you know, watch out for the hippo. So he was serious. Do not enter. Wait a minute. Did they have hippos back then? I believe so. I would imagine. I feel like hippos are prehistoric. I feel like so are rhinoceros. Rhinoceri. Rhinoceroses. Those have got to be some fucking type of dinosaur. I'm sorry, but they've got to be. They have to be. Okay, so these are real events that have taken place, and many speculate whether or not these are actual curses or just runs of bad luck. So I'm going to leave you guys to be the judge. Y'all can decide whether this is actual curse or if this is... Just driving the dog house. Coincidence. This is about what is called the unlucky mummy. Okay. In 1860, five recent Oxford graduates took a trip to Egypt to celebrate. They purchased a quote-unquote souvenir, which back then, during this time, you could go to all the different tombs and pyramids and all this stuff and you could go in and just take what you wanted or buy it or whatever this was popular to do at the time no thank you yeah i wasn't fucking around and finding out the per the souvenir that they purchased was a coffin lid of a priestess of abin ra yeah that's where you fucked up big time on their way back from egypt two of the men died the third went to cairo and accidentally shot himself in the arm and had to have his arm amputated dumbass Another member of the group lost his entire fortune gambling, gambling, then moved to America and lost his new fortune to both flood and fire. He then sent the coffin lid to his sister, which was really fucked up on his part, who attempted to have it photographed. The photographer died. The man that transported the lid died. The man asked to transla- translate the hieroglyphs on the lid also died. <clears throat> the lid now lives in the British Museum. It ain't burned down? <laughs> it arrived in 1889 and has since been called the Unlucky Mummy. This piece has been the blame for many that believe it to be cursed, including the sinking of the Titanic and the escalation of World War One. So many people said that the Titanic happened because they had this mummy lid brought to that area. And that's what caused the Titanic and how bad the World War One got. Interesting. <clears throat> In 1904, a journalist wrote an article about the piece called A Priestess of Death. The journalist died shortly after, suddenly, of fever. Other events that took place include having a sketch made of the piece, had mysterious accidents after. So a person would come in and draw it, they would have something bad happen to them. They would fall down the stairs, uh, meeting 
they, they would meet financial ruin, they would have nightmares, and they would feel like they were being haunted. Mm. Um, other examples are many archaeologists who have gone into these different pyramids and tombs claim they have had haunting dreams until mummies were no longer in their possession or they were re reunited with specific belongings or lineages. So it's like if they had, if they got a mummy and they took it and then they had it and they were having all this trouble, they would go track down the family to the mummy and put the mummy back with the family. Let's see, there's a report of a young boy sick with a terminal illness that loved Egypt and one day went to the Egyptian museum and looked into the face of a mummy, King Am Amos I. Mm. Um, afterward, the boy was miraculously cured from his illness with no explanation. At least he didn't die. Yeah. Uh, the Alexandra mummies. In 1699, there was a Polish traveler who experienced terrifying visions of two specters while traveling with two mummies in the cargo. The ship met with a massive storm and the waters were dangerously rough until the mummies were thrown overboard. Now, I want to know what happened after that. Because that's where the story stops. But if he thought he was up shit creek with rough waters on the ship that hey, he had these two mummies on and then he just fucking threw them overboard. <laughs> I wonder if he survived anything else. Probably not. Fucker. All right. The same mummy we talked about, the last one that had the big long warning about the hippopotamus and stuff. Yeah. This is about him. Oh, gosh. Right, we previously mentioned him. Calm Abu Below. <laughs> Below. <laughs> um, after entering the tomb, this young archaeologist, uh, what was this guy's name? Doesn't give his name. After entering the tomb, uh, his cousin died, then his uncle and his aunt, all on the exact date every year, which was the same date as his entry to the tomb. Fuck around and find <clears> out. Yeah. Saqqara, the head of the dig site of the mummy Saqqara, found a small statue of the Egyptian god Osiris. Okay. He took the statue back to a village where he was staying in a home there, where as soon as arriving, he became paralyzed on the entire right side of his body. He shouldn't have took it. He was taken to the hospital where he died before the next morning. Don't mm -hmm. take shit that don't belong to you. Mm -hmm. In late 2013, a Manchester museum claimed it was haunted by, and you may have seen this. This was a pretty popular video because it did get released to social media and stuff. Um, but a Manchester museum claimed it was haunted by um, an Egyptian statue that rotated 180 degrees every three days, seemingly on its own. The statue was in a glass case, untouched by anyone except the curator that had to continuously move it back. The curator claimed the Egyptians believed that if the mummy was destroyed, the statue could be used as an alternative vessel for the spirit. Oh. A time-lapse video has been sped up to clearly show the statue moving without being touched. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, you can look <laughs> up the video and you can check yourself, but um, they've tried to debunk it. And it's hard to debunk, but they have they have got theories as to how it could have happened and yeah. all that stuff, but mm, I'm not convinced. Um, one archaeologist filming for the Discovery Channel suffered a mysterious illness that left him coughing up blood and hallucinating after opening an ancient Egyptian tomb. See, <clears throat> I was going to study archaeology at one time, and I would still love to do it, because I think that would be awesome, but I'm not stupid enough. Yeah. 
to well, do that to o- to open tombs or yeah. the sarcophagus or steal from no well and the thing is is I, I i was the same i was always obsessed with archaeology i always wanted to be either an archaeologist or a paleontologist and dig up dinosaur bones i was obsessed with both still am in a weird way um but the thing that bugs me about this the most is i know that we look into things to find out history and to be able to tell a story and to inform people of, yeah. of them but it just it's breaks my heart to know that they move them out and they put them in a museum on display. They disrupt their final piece. You know, Correct. if I was, I wouldn't want anybody fooling me. If I'm dead, I'm dead. Leave me alone. Leave me be. Don't, I mean, yeah, just, <clears throat> I mean, unless you, you donate your body to science, which is my plan. That's what I plan to do. I can help in other ways. If, if there's any part of me left that's useful, you know, I'm an organ donor, donate me to science do whatever you got to do i don't care but afterwards like if i i just i don't know it makes me sad i mean you're just that that would be like going to an indian burial burial ground and just fucking just fucking it up with some shit you're about to really get some yeah you know there's a university in texas is it it texas (coughs) a&m i don't remember um, for those, I guess, maybe med students or whatever, but there's like a whole fenced in area that people that have donated their bodies to science mm-hmm. and stuff, they just put their bodies out there mm-hmm. and the different weathers. So there's different stages of decomposition, mm-hmm. decomposition, um, composition, whatever, and all that, that they can go and study. And I bet that probably smells really bad. Mm. I don't know. <clears throat> so now we're going to go on to probably the most predominant mummy curse of them all. And this is King Tut? or Pharaoh Tutankhamun, King Tut is what everybody calls him. Um, the discovery of King Tut's tomb was November 4th, 1922, and was then unearthed and explored on November 26th. Many believe the entering of this tomb unleashed a curse. Yeah. <clears throat> we're going to go down the list of people that were affected. This was just on the archaeological team. Um, and let's see. The first one is George Herbert. Okay, so George Her- Herbert was the sponsor for the excavation of King Tut's tomb. So, he paid for everything. He basically let it. He was all up in the middle of it. He died of a bacterial infection, blood poisoning, <laughs> after cutting himself while, sha- while shaving. He had a, pre- like, a mosquito bite, and then he shaved over it, and it got infected, and he got a whole blood poisoning. Well, that's problem. a fucking way to go. This happened only a few months after the tomb was opened. Legend has it when he died, the lights in his home and all the lights in Cairo mysteriously went out. Hmm. Sir Bruce Ingham, Howard Carter, the archaeologist who discovered the tomb, gave a paperweight to his friend, Bruce Ingham, as a gift. The paperweight consisted of a mummified hand wearing a bracelet that was said to be inscribed with the phrase, Cursed be who who moves my body. Ingham did not die, though his home did burn to the ground not long after receiving the gift. When he tried to rebuild, it was hit with a flood. George J. Gould, or Good, maybe, um, was a wealthy American financier. 
an railroad executive who visited the tomb in 1923 and fell ill almost immediately afterwards. He never really recovered and died of pneumonia a few months later. Well, that's because he financed that, I'm sure. Sorry if anybody's related to him. <laughs> Aubrey Herbert, which is, he's the brother of George Herbert, is said that he suffered from the curse simply by being related to the amateur Egyptologist, born with a degenerative eye condition and became completely blind later in life. A, doc a doctor suggested his rotten, infected teeth were somehow interfering with his vision. So Aubrey had all of his teeth pulled in order to regain his sight. It didn't work. He did die of sepsis as a result of the dental surgery just a few months after the death of his brother, George. Hmm. Ironic, they both died of a type of blood poisoning. Yeah, no shit. Hugh Evelyn White, a British archaeologist, visited King Tut's tomb and helped excavate the site. By 1924, after seeing death swept sweep over about two dozen of his fellow excavators, um, Hugh died by suicide, but not before writing, allegedly in his own blood, I have succumbed to a curse which forces me to disappear. Aaron Ember, American Egyptologist, was friends with many of the people who were present when King Tut's tomb was opened, including George Herbert. Ember and his family died in a house fire in 1926. He could have exited safely, but his wife encouraged him to save a manuscript he had been working on while she fetched their son. The name of his manuscript, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. <clears throat> Richard Bethal, the secretary to George Herbert and the first person behind Howard Carter to enter the tomb. He died in 1929, thought to be murdered by infamous occultist Alistair Crowley. Soon after it was discovered that his home had been had that his home had been uh, it had reoccurring mysteri mysterious fires where some of the priceless finds from King Tut's tomb were stored. That name sounds familiar for some. reason. I thought so too. Um, the Aleister Crowley. Yes. Yeah, I thought so too, but I didn't go and actually search it. I may have to do that later, but I'm not. I, it did sound really. I've really heard familiar. That somewhere. Uh, while you're doing that, let's see. Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, a radiologist who X-rayed Tut before the mummy was given to a museum to museum authorities. He got sick the next day and was dead three days later. Oh, James Henry Breasted, another famous Egyptologist at that time, was a member of Carter's team when Tut's tomb was opened. Shortly after, he returned home to find a cobra in his beloved pet canary's cage, having eaten the bird. Since the cobra is a symbol of Egyptian monarchy, he perceived it as an ominous sign. James didn't pass away until years later, but it was immediately after a trip, another trip to Egypt. So, yeah, that's all the creepy, creepy from mummies. <laughs> so, Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Mm, that never mind. That's how I know who he is. Of course, he has written some occulted, yeah, occult books. Um, Book of the Law. He did a movie, Katy Perry and the Super Bowl Satan or some shit. Um, I don't want. Well, that. how did that happen when this happened way back in the day? How's that the same guy? Well, it may it's probably not. Oh. It could be two separate people. Oh. That name just gotcha. That's that's what got me. So gotcha. okay, never mind. I mean, who knows? He's anyway. Maybe he's still alive. If he was a famous occultist, he may be 
immoral. That's a very... Do, 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 do. <laughs> Twilight Zone. Yes. Okay, we are going to talk about some vampires. <laughs> I love vampires. I I've always been a huge vampire fan, and when I was little, I always wanted to I'm gonna grow up and be a vampire. Yeah. I want somebody to turn me into a vampire. <laughs> this is why we're such good friends. <laughs> we were both freaks. We were freaks as kids. We're freaks now. It's, you know, it was just inevitable. Yes. We were I, bound to find each other. <laughs> exactly. It's like fucking twin flame type. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so this first story is about Vlad the Impaler. It's said to be partial inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, Vlad, 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 Dracula. Vlad. Vlad. Uh, Dracul was born in Transylvania, Romania, and was ruler there from 1456 to 1462. He was described as just as a just but brutal and even at times cruel ru ruler who valiantly fought off the Ottoman Empire. He earned his nickname because his favorite way to kill his enemies, an anemone, an anemone, his enemies was to impale them with a wooden stake. He also would have their heads on spikes after they were killed. Okay. Um, it is also said Vlad enjoyed enjoyed dining amidst his dying victims and dipping his bread into their blood and eating it. He feast, he would feast upon his enemies. Creepy. Mm-hmm. That's badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Mercy Brown. Mercy was used as a scapegoat after her death of tuberculosis. The misunderstood illness was believed to be a sign of vampirism due to the blood on the lips. Bodies were often ex exhumed from their graves to be rechecked for further signs of vampirism. Now, this happened a lot during this time period. If you lost a loved one, it didn't matter. They would always dig them back up a few days later to check and make sure make they sure, were. Yeah, make, especially in the Victorian era. Yes, um, they were checking for vamp vampires, werewolves, and witches. Again, the three... And the they, three that bugged them the most, yeah, evidently. And they would, I think they would cover like their graves like in a, in a thick iron... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that there has been, and you may get into that, I don't know, so I may be jumping the gun. Um, there have been results of where they have dug up, where they have come across bones, I will say that, or skulls, where the jaws look like it's been broken and bricks shoved in mm -hmm. their mouth, which they believed had been vampires, and that was to keep them from coming back. Yeah, we talk about that on here, too. Um, they did lots of things, but these were, um, let's see, bodies were often exhumed from their graves to be rechecked for further signs of vampirism. When Mercy's body was exhumed and did not show signs of severe decay, they believed her to be a vampire. So, but they, I mean, if they dug her up, like, the next day, she wouldn't be showing. Anyway, removing her heart from her body, burning it, and then fed the ashes to her sick brother... To, for whatever reason, but uh, unshockingly, un he died a couple days later. I can imagine. <clears throat> um, in the 1700s, human blood was believed to possess medicinal qualities, and it was widely consumed as medicine throughout Europe and America by people at all levels of society. There was also people like Lady uh, Baratheia, is that what her name was? She would bathe in the blood of her servants to continuously be young and beautiful. She believed that mm. bathing in the blood of others would keep her youthful yeah. and immortal and all that stuff. Um, another, this is an, 
kind of like when we were talking about the werewolves, how there's diagnoses of other things that can cause strange behavior yeah. or looks. This is a disease called porphy porphyria. Porphyria. It's a rare blood disorder that, before understood, was believed to be vampirism. Okay. <clears throat> Even coining the nickname vampire disease. Huh. So original. Right. I mean, <laughs> they had they had the werewolf syndrome as one too. Yeah, so, so yeah, we'll just keep it simple. <clears throat> it became prevalent among nobility and royalty of Eastern Europe, an inherited blood disorder that causes the body to produce less hema, which is a critical component of hemoglobin. Yeah. Symptoms include extreme sensitivity to sunlight and some disfigurement, gum disease and recession, exposing teeth, which gave appearance of fangs. Aversion to garlic, the sulfur content could lead to an attack of the porphyria, leading to very acute pain. So, sulfur evidently caused it to flare up real bad. Yeah. Um, to add to the suspicion, physicians from this time period believed compensation for this would be to drink more blood. So, patients would often hunt animals at night to find a resource. And when, the, when seen by townspeople, due to the hour and their appearance, they were often thought to be monsters or vampires. Um... Also, due to their appearance, they often avoided mirrors, and because of the mentality of the fear of witches, vampires, etc., and so many innocent lives lost by being burned at the stake, many with this condition avoided the church and its leaders, including Christian symbols. This is where the fear of crucifixes came from. So, if they said, you know, they, they you don't see the reflection in a mirror, it's because they weren't looking in mirrors, because they were horrified at the way they looked. And fear of crucifixes came from them being afraid of being killed. Yeah. Period. Because of, yeah. Yeah. This disease still exists and is incurable, but medicine is now available to assist with some of the symptoms. So that's really sad that that actually still it happens. Yeah. Um, many archaeological digs have uncovered remains of people buried as vampires. Some were found with stones in their mouths, like you talked about, iron bars across their chests or shackles, and wooden stakes through their chest cavities. Um, Appalachia's lost colony. The Mystery of the Moon-Eyed Settlers. Have you ever heard about them? I have not. I hadn't either. This was my first time. And I actually accidentally happened up on this. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, Cherokee natives have a legend of a race of people in a village there they called the Moon-Eyes. They were very fair in complexion. They had light blue eyes. Were very sensitive to light and only emerged at nighttime. And unlike other beings who appear in some indigenous legends... They were neither spirits nor monsters, but humans, like the Cherokee themselves. There, <clears throat> there are remnants of a wall, as well as unearthed artifacts that seem to back up this claim. Interesting. Yeah. Jacques St. Germain, legendary vampire count of New Orleans. <laughs> uh, he earned a reputation for entertaining New Orleans aristocrats, aristocrats with luxurious dinners that he never partook in. Uh, because of his wealth and mysterious background, he was the topic of many rumors and controversy. Described as a womanizer that would constantly walk the French Quarter to meet young women. One evening, screams were heard coming from his home as a woman reportedly jumped from the second story of his home oh. to escape his attack. She had been bitten on the neck and sustained many injuries. When police searched his home, they found blood stains and wine bottles filled with blood. The woman did not survive the attack and fall. Germain vanished without apprehension, although it is said he was he has reappeared throughout history, having never aged. 
Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. I could believe that one. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of vampire lore in New oh, Orleans yeah. and South Louisiana, just like everything else, but it's, it's taken very seriously there. Um, Lestat's tomb in Lafayette Cemetery, number one. Um, now, this is not actually Lestat's tomb, but it's it's the only cast iron tomb in the cemetery, which causes a lot of questions yeah. and people being suspicious, and they're like, hmm, what's that about? Um, it was inspiration and modeled after for the tomb featured in the film Interview with the Vampire. It is actually the Cardindiac family tomb, but many speculate and remain leery of the tomb tomb's actual history due to its iron castings. Uh, Lafayette Cemetery number one also has the tombs of the Mayfair Witches there as well. If you have not watched Mayfair Witches. I, I, I was going to watch it and I saw where it got cancelled and then I saw that they brought it back and they were redoing it. They didn't cancel they it. They didn't cancel they it. They never cancelled it. It's only um maybe two seasons so I need to read the books too. So good. Um, the last one we have on the list is the Vampire Grave of Lafayette, Colorado. Of Lafayette, Colorado, according to local legend, a tree grew from the stake that killed this alleged vampire. Well, that motherfucker ain't getting up, is he? <laughs> well, because he was an immigrant for tra- from Transylvania, and his thin, tall, and pale appearance. And the wording of the Romanian language on his tombstone, many speculate he was a vampire. The legend says other townsmen dug him up after death and impaled his body with a wooden stake when they found his body to have longer teeth, blood in his mouth, and fingernails that had grown longer. Now, a tree, unlike any around it, grows straight through the grave's plot. They're keeping him in the ground. Yeah. Wow. That is a... It's intriguing. It is. It really is. Yeah. And that's the thing about the all of this stuff is it could be considered urban legends. It could be considered... <coughs> I mean, it can be whatever you want it to be, honestly. True. Yeah, it could be true. It could be whatever. <clears throat> so now we're going to talk about another part of Halloween, and that's haunted houses, Ooh. ghosts, Ooh. spooky specters. All that good stuff. I like it. <laughs> um, I put a few of the most popular haunted houses in America on the list. Uh, there's a lot more, but I try to oh, keep I believe it, it. I try to keep it limited. But these are some of the most famous, most heard about. These are a lot that I'm pretty familiar with because I've watched all the documentaries and ghost adventure shows and all that stuff. Whatever. Um, the Villisca Axe Murder House. Villisca, Iowa site of a real murder mystery. The killer was never caught and left the entire household, including extra guests, dead at the hand of an axe murderer in 1912. Now, you can go and stay at this place if you want to. You can take tours. But basically, (laughs) they never caught the murderer. And when the event happened, they didn't know back then to secure evidence. Um, Anyway, back then, they didn't block off uh, they didn't save evidence. They weren't good at blocking off people from coming through. This literally turned into a town-wide extravaganza. 
these people came from all through town to come and check out this brutal murder that had taken oh, yeah. place. Children were killed. The entire family was killed. And it was such a weird situation. And what was there and what had happened. People couldn't get enough of it. But they can't. It makes you think of the movie, the, um, what is that? Liz Borden. Elizabeth Borden. Yeah, yeah, she's on the list. She's actually next. Oh. Um, but it. Dude, whoever had come in and done it sat down and ate, ate food at the table. With them? Before he, before they killed them? They don't or know after? for sure. Okay. They, I feel like it happened after, but they don't know. and They don't really don't know. A lot of this is just them guessing. Speculating. Speculating. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, they had complete strangers from town just walking through the house, looking at all these corpses, this horrible axe murder. Um, the weapon was found. There was a slab of bacon found. Yeah. Just a lot of... But this house is supposed to be super active. Um, They don't know if it's from the families. They don't know. The other weird thing was whoever did it covered all the mirrors in the house. So they... Okay. So maybe they were very superstitious? I don't know. I don't know. But they had several people that fit... That were suspicious people and they thought might have done it. Um, they had a list of people, and then it just went cold. They never caught who did it. It's never they they, they just don't know. Hmm. Um, but it's it's a very active house. You can go and you can spend the night. It's like a bed and breakfast now, I think, or you can just take tours of it or whatever. But it's a it's a creepy place. Um, next one on the list, Lizzie Borden House. There's kids here. Sorry, <laughs> two moms, two moms <laughs> and <a> grandma. <laughs> Semen demons. <laughs> Uh, Lizzie Borden House, Massachusetts, uh, home to Lizzie Borden and her family. Her father and stepmother were found murdered by an axe-wielding assailant, though the killer was never caught. More speculation that Lizzie was the culprit, though she stood trial for the crimes and was acquitted. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, I would look into it. But there are a lot of rumors about and thoughts and theories and speculations about what they thought happened and they feel like Lizzie did it and possibly her housekeeper or the nanny or whoever was there had something to do with it as well helped cover it up there's even rumor that the two of them were lovers and were in on it together um they thought it was about greed and things like that but she was acquitted and she got away with it and went on and lived life I guess but the house is a bed and breakfast now. You can go and stay there. They have Lizzie's room. They have every room set up. And they show, they have pictures hanging on the wall of different things. That's something that you're into. You can check it out. I personally will not be. <laughs> <laughs> I might go to the outside and see it. But I don't know that I would even go inside. Yeah. <clears throat> the Sally house. This one has uh, been a very active house for quite a bit. For quite a long time. Yeah. Um. It's in it's in Kansas. It's a popular location for ghost hunters. A very active location said to be the lair to a demon that takes in the form of a little girl named Sally. Now, I watch the show. I don't really... I know I say that I watch Ghost Hunter show. Yeah. I really don't. What I watch... Because all of that gets on my nerves. And I feel like a lot of that is staged and put on oh, yeah. and all that stuff. There are a few that I do enjoy just for entertainment purposes. And one of those is the BuzzFeed guys. Um, they don't do BuzzFeed anymore. They've gotten 
they're doing something else now. But when they were working through BuzzFeed, they would go to these places. And it was hilarious because they, one of them is a huge skeptic and the other one's a big scaredy cat. <laughs> and so one of them would go in and try to antagonize whatever was in there just to start shit because he just didn't believe in it. And, and that's, he liked, I was about to say, that's one rule of with paranormal, paranormal um, investigating is you don't antagonize. Well, what was funny was the the other guy, Ryan, he would get, he was like, stop doing that. You're making it so much worse. That's the type of ghost. That would be, yeah, it was hilarious. But the the guy that was the antagonizer, the favorite thing that he would do, and I would laugh hysterically. And if you, you just kind of have to watch it to, to find the humor in it, I guess. But my favorite thing that he would do, anytime he heard that a place had a demon in it, he'd come in and he'd go, Hello, demons! <laughs> come haunt me! It was just, it was funny. Um, but it is a very active house. And even in that show, yeah, the one that was a skeptic, there was certain things that he couldn't even give an explanation for. It, it, it kind of bugged him a little yeah. bit, but you could tell he was trying to act like it was nothing. But it was kind of creepy. Um I watched some I watched some stuff on there and I was like, now how the hell are you gonna explain that? And it was the most down to earth one that I've probably watched was with those two guys <laughs> and it was the most realistic. So you know. Uh the Winchester Mystery House. Oh uh, now this has also been turned into a horror movie. Um yeah. and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty I liked good. It. But it's it's in ha- San Jose, California, and it's supposed to be haunted by the ghosts of everyone ever killed by a Winchester rifle. To appease them, Sarah Winchester, who was the original owner, mm-hmm. kept adding rooms to the house to make more space for the dead. And it you can go visit it. You can take tours. Um, people say that they've seen things. People say that they've caught pictures of things. You can't go up a set of stairs because it doesn't go to anywhere. Right. And that's, that's the confusing part of this whole entire estate is... There's doors that are on like the second and third floors that lead directly outside and there's no steps, there's no porch, there's no nothing. It's like if you open that door and you step out, you're going to fall to your death. Yeah. And then there's a flight of stairs that go inside that lead to nothing. It just goes straight up to a a ceiling and you can't go any further. Um, But she had, Sarah Winchester had, she lost her husband, she lost a child. So she was there by herself, and she just was grieving and sad, and I feel like it that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, that one, that's an interesting story, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and a good movie, so if you haven't seen it, or ever heard of it, yeah, you know, yeah definitely look it up, and, or or watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, Myrtle's Plantation. This oh, yes. is in Louisiana, built in 1796, said to be built on native burial ground. They're fucked up there. They don't. It's it's a rumor. It's been rumored several times. <clears throat> Which um, it honestly would not surprise no, me. No, not a bit. Um, spirits said to be seen there are a native woman, Union soldiers, but most famously Chloe, the home's like the home's original. original servant slave to Sarah Woodroff and her husband and all them. Uh, Sarah Woodroff and her children are among the long list of specters and spirits, as well as varying stories. There are said to be at least twelve ghosts. And I've heard a lot of people that have been there. They've seen shit. They've heard shit. You can spend the night. You yeah. can take a tour. Um, I feel like it's worthwhile going to. I would do it. 
I went as a kid, but we went with, on a school field trip to go visit several plantations. So when we went, we weren't told that it was a oh, well, no, attraction. We were told it was a historical place, and so they gave us the history on it. I would go to stay the night. Uh, I, you know, I had a friend that went not long ago. And she stayed in one of the cabins that was on the property. Mm-hmm. She doesn't scare e- easy. She's a skeptic. She doesn't She doesn't care about this stuff. She was the first one that was like, yeah, I'll stay. I don't give a shit. Whatever. She recorded noises. It was pitch black in the room. She didn't get any video, but she got the sound. But it sounded like music playing, and it was coming, like, through the pipes. Oh. But she couldn't. You could go outside, and you couldn't hear. You could only hear it inside that cabin and it sounded like drums and things like that it was very interesting hmm. um so yeah i feel like it's worth it it's worth a stay worth a gander i don't know that i would spend the night i think i would take another tour I'd you know the night. Mm, i don't know not saying i would stay the whole night <laughs> you would attempt it i would try <laughs> <laughs> well there's a very famous picture of chloe that has that has circulated and it has been deemed authentic and it looks like a lady standing there with a turban on her head yeah. and she wore a turban because her ear had been sliced off um by the her owner the woman's husband i can't think of his name but anyway uh it, it's a very good picture of a spirit and it's been proven authentic so yeah. i'm just saying uh the whaley house it's in california haunted by thomas and anna whaley their dog <laughs> and a man that was hung at the location before the home was built, and his name was Yankee. They called him Yankee Jim. Dog. Was it a ghost dog? Yes. How oh, cool. Yeah. Never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's said to be pretty active. I don't know. Uh, the House of the Seven Gables, which is in Salem, Massachusetts. The big famous house. Uh, that's black and everybody has pictures that. of. Yeah. Salem. Uh, it's built in 1668. Said to be haunted by the ghosts of several of the home's original owners and family members. I'm sure that there's probably hauntings there from other people, people that as well. were accused of witchcraft. <laughs> probably because that's so. what the fuck I would do. Probably so. Sweetwater Mansion in Alabama. Ghosts of Civil War soldiers are reported to have been seen. And reports of women who go, go like on the tour or go visit, um, they're unexplainably being locked in rooms while touring. So it's like they'll go in a room and then all of a sudden they can't get out and nobody can understand why or how it happened. <clears throat> so there's some pervy hmm. ghosts. There's some pervy ghosts at Sweetwater. Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, the Molly Brown House, and this is in Colorado. And we're talking about the same Molly Brown that was on the Titanic, the unseekable. Molly Brown. Um, it's now a museum and you can go visit. But witnesses have claimed to smell cigar smoke, thought to be from her husband JJ, as well as they've seen them, like apparitions of her and her husband, as well as feeling cold spots. Hmm. Um, Henderson Castle, it's in Michigan. Witnesses have said that they've seen the ghost of the original owners, the veteran of the Spanish American War. A little girl and a dog. These spirits have also said to communicate through unplugged radios. That's creepy. Yeah. You know what would happen to that radio? <laughs> <laughs> Be like a rage room. Yeah. Smashed into a gazillion pieces. And if the motherfucker kept playing, well, <laughs> I don't yeah. even know now. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Um, McRaven House, it's in Mississippi. Thousands of reports of paranormal activity once served as a hospital for Confederate soldiers. A few owners have died, including by murder. So, it's a pretty active place. Nice. The Biltmore Estate, North Carolina. The original owners, George and Edith's spirits, have both been seen and heard laughing. Edith's voice has even been heard calling her husband George. Hmm. <clears throat> Earliest recorded ghost sightings were in 1st century A.D. The Ro great Roman author and statesman Pliny the Younger recorded one of the first notable ghost stories in his letters, which became famous for their vivid account of life during the heyday of the Roman Empire. Pliny reported the specter of an old man with a long beard rattling chains was haunting his home in Athens. Centuries later, in AD 856, the first poltergeist, a ghost that causes physical disturbances, such yeah. as loud noises or objects falling or being thrown, was reported in Germany. So, goes back further than you would expect. Neat. I want to know why, though. You, when you hear a ghost and how people they... are talking about ghosts, mm -hmm. how come we don't have any modern ghosts? Nobody ever sees any ghosts from like the 2000s saying it's me it's britney bitch you know <laughs> or like wearing headphones and I th that is probably because back in the day of how people were killed maybe so murdered yeah raped or whatever um it's it's a vengeance it's, their yeah. souls have not rested because of the way they have maybe died yeah but how are they gonna my question is you said 180 yeah. It was AD 856, <clears throat> and then the first one was uh, first century AD. First century AD. Mm -hmm. How do they know there's any recordings from then? I guess they found it, because he had he was a writer, and he wrote about, he wrote it down. So, I guess they still have records of it. Okay. <clears throat> so, the 10 most haunted cities in America are, starting in at number 10, Portland, Oregon, 9, San Francisco, California. Eight, mm. Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, seven is Charleston, South Carolina. I could probably see that. Six is St. Augustine, Florida. Five, San Antonio, Texas. Four, New Orleans, Louisiana. Figure. Three, Salem, Massachusetts. Okay. Two, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And one is Savannah, Georgia. The most famous ghosts that have allegedly been spotted seen dealt with talked to whatever abraham lincoln marilyn monroe orson wells elvis presley benjamin franklin and benjamin franklin also has a statue around the place that people claim to see him but the statue they say that his statue comes to life and walks around and dances in the street now, I don't know about all that. I think I would be skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Abigail Adams. <clears throat> um, Al Capone. Okay. Lucille Ball. Andrew Jackson. Rudolph Valentino. Anne Boleyn. Hamlet, which is a literary ghost. And John Lennon. Those are the most famous ghosts. All murdered. Basically. Yeah. Say what you will. Yeah, I don't That like, Marilyn Monroe I didn't die of murder or Elvis. Like I'm telling you. Al Abigail Adams, I don't think, was murdered. I think she died of natural causes. I don't remember. She was the president. Uh, John John Adams, was that his name? One of the presidents? Maybe. She was yeah. the wife of somebody. Um, but, yeah, I think um, 
all of them met. Elvis Presley, I don't think, was murdered. He could have been, but it was sketchy. Yeah, it's all sketchy. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe was definitely sketchy. Mm-hmm. JFK is definitely mm-hmm. sketchy. Yep. Hmm. That's the end of that. Those were interesting. Yeah. I like those. Thank you. Thank you. That was fun to look into and find. And I could have kept going. I, I really could have, but I had to reel it in. I had already gone too far. <laughs> Went way too far. It's going to make for interesting. We'll yeah. have... You know, October has been filled. Yes. You know, this is the last episode for October. Yes, and happy um, Halloween, because this ought to yes. be around the time that, that we release that this. We release this um, Halloween. Definitely been a fun-filled month mm-hmm. with podcasts, so I look forward to what we're going to have in store for August. August. I don't know, November. <laughs> I'm please going backwards. Please don't take me back to August. That was like the worst month ever. First I was Natalie and now we're in August. <laughs> November. We'll find some good stuff <sighs> in November. Bad brain. <laughs> but yes. Definitely going to have some good shit for November. Don't know what it's going to be yet, but. You know us. We'll come up with something. Oh yeah. <laughs> definitely. But in the meantime, thank you for sticking with us for the entire month of our shenanigans and lovely stories that we have had. Um. If you have an interesting story that you would like to maybe not tell, but would be interested in us researching, doing a podcast on, just let us know. In the meantime, again, thank you. Listening to Two Moms and the F-Bomb. I'm Crystal. I'm Natalie. And good night.